online at crossculture.church. From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is Crosswalk, a weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of Cross Culture Church. Thank you for joining us. Now here's this week's message from Cross Culture Church. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? Oh, man. Hey, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles or your apps, and you want to flip over to that and follow along. Uh, we're going to look at a particular story of Jesus that is absolutely just, just amazing for us and for our lives today. Now, I want to start with asking you guys a question. How many of you have ever like, like just planned for something to go a certain way, or life to go a certain way, only to have everything just fall apart and it didn't end up the way you wanted? Anybody? So we've all been there and that. Now, I'll tell you a quick story of something that happened to, to me and my family. Uh, a few years ago, or several years ago, I moved to East Tennessee. I grew up outside of Memphis, and so I like real barbecue, not vinegar soup, just so you know. Uh, and so I, as, I, as I grew up in East Tennessee, I learned how to love the mountains and love hiking and just getting out in it. And so I passed that on to, to my kids. And so when we moved back to East Tennessee, I did this uh, wise decision to try to save money. I bought an old car instead of a new one. And so I bought a 20-year-old Subaru thinking that, you know, they run forever. They're Subarus, right? And I can get in the mountains with it, and it'll go everywhere. And it did. And so there was one particular night that my oldest son, or my son and my oldest daughter, myself, and my middle brother, who drove up to it from Atlanta, we decided that we were going to go see what was called the Brown Mountain Lights. And I got a picture of the overlook we can put up there if it translated in there. Okay, it didn't translate in there. It's all good. Just imagine mountains, and it's really pretty. Okay, you're there, right? And so the Brown Mountain Lights, or the Wiseman's View Overlook, was way out in the middle of nowhere in the, the western North Carolina mountains. And so to get there, you had to go, I don't know, out to the, to the middle of nowhere, turn left, and go another 20 miles. And then when you got those 20 miles, you had to turn again, and you went on this old forest service road about six miles on top of the mountains, on top of these ridges, deep down into to the forest. And so I'm in my old Subaru. I got my son and my daughter and my brother, and, and we're driving. It's in the summer, and, and suddenly, like, the air conditioner just quits working. And I'm like, okay, air conditioner just quit working. Not a big deal, right? But slowly, each kind of system of my car stopped working as we were going on this mountain service road with no cell service, out in the middle of nowhere, just where we go, until finally my car just completely overheated and shut down and quit, and we were stuck. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what we're going to do on this one because I'm sitting here and, and I guess I'm going to have to hike back. And, and it was a manual. Of course, it was manual transmission, only way to drive a car, right? And so it was manual. And so I was able to coast down the mountain because it was mainly downgrade and got closer to the main road. And so I left my kids with my middle brother and I walked to the main road and got picked up and taken to a gas station to where I could ask for help. Like we had planned on having like this amazing night to, to, to stargaze and to, to just to be out in the country and out in the wilderness. And instead, it was like my car broke down and, and over there in the distance, you heard Bigfoot laughing at us as he was watching her plight. You know, it was just this amazing time that didn't quite work out. And so maybe you kind of relate to that story, except that's kind of, kind of where you find your life with, I don't know, maybe your experience with school. You had planned for it to be a certain way. You had planned to get certain grades. You had planned to have certain friends, but it didn't work out. Or maybe you had plans, you know, as you got older to, to date a certain man or certain woman and, and get married, and, and that didn't work out. Or you had big plans for a vacation. You had big plans for your career. You had big fa- plans for your family. Or maybe someone got sick, or you got sick. But whatever happened, your plans were just crushed. Or maybe you had big plans spiritually. You had big plans with what you wanted Jesus to do with your life, 
and how you wanted your life to look when it came to following Jesus. But it just didn't work out for whatever reason. And so here you find yourself sitting in church, in a theater, with your story kind of like, okay, now what do I do? You see, there's a powerful story in Scripture that we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 24, where there were two guys, and they had, had it all planned out, and they thought that something was going to turn out a certain way, it was going to end up a certain way, and they're going to be a part of it, and then it was totally and completely just broken apart with everything they could imagine, and they, they, they couldn't understand why it went the way it did. And we're going to find a story that every single one of us in this room, we can absolutely relate to, that we can all connect with, because it's kind of, well, the story of us. It's a moment that we've all been in when we realize that our situation that we're in is going to look nothing like we had had planned or what we wanted or what we thought it would be. I love talking about Jesus in general, but I really love talking about Jesus during Christmas season and not just his birth. Because, you know, if you grew up in church, you heard the story of Jesus' birth, I don't know, every Christmas all your life, right? But I love talking about Jesus, and I love talking about the reason he came and the story and how he interacted with people. And it's so rich, and there's so much. But today, we're going to talk about his purpose after he had died. So we're going to have more of an Easter message rather than a Christmas message today. Because that's all right, we can, we can do that. So what we're going to find our story is that Jesus had just been crucified. And on Friday, he was dead. On Saturday, he was in the tomb, he was dead, and on Sunday, he rose again. But by the time Sunday came, his followers kind of, they're starting to panic a little bit. Okay, okay, Jesus, he's not here. What do we do? Uh, this didn't work out. What's this going to look like? And this is where we find our story in Luke chapter 24, this historical event that actually happened, starting with verse 13 and 14. This is what it says. That very day, two of them, the two of them were disciples, okay? That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all of these things that had happened. You see, these two, two men, these two followers of Jesus, had just experienced all the events of the week before. The triumphal in- entry, Palm Sunday, the celebration, the king is here, and then suddenly the, the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus in their world where they came in at the beginning of that, this week. Everything is great. This is going to be awesome. We're a part of something huge. And then by the end of the week, by Friday, they had lost their jobs. By the end of the week, by Friday their wife or their husband had walked out. You see what we're saying here? Their, their life was completely rocked because they believed in this one direction, what was going on, and then suddenly it was, it was completely over with. You see, the road that they were using to walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus would have been a, a gradual uphill grade. And about halfway, you could turn around and look, and you could see the city of Jerusalem and the lights at night on the hill, and Emmaus was way up that way, and they were walking on this lonely road, just, just out by themselves, and they're just talking about all these things that happened and how it ended up the way that it did. See, the description of these two men describes their followers. Jesus had more than just 12 disciples. He actually had hundreds at this point who were committed to him. The apostles who the 12 are, are different. And so they were there for all of these things, and, and they were there for Jesus' arrest, and they saw their, their king, their, their savior, the Messiah, who they believed in. They saw him hung on the cross and crucified and killed. And they're like, okay, what do we do with this now? And that hurt. And that hurt really bad because God didn't show up the way they thought he was going to show up. And sometimes that happens for us too, doesn't it? is that we're living a certain way or we're believing in a certain thing or we're walking a certain direction and believing in a certain direction and then God doesn't show up the way we think that he should show up 
or that He's going to show up. And, and, and it rocks us. Because we're human, we can't see the big picture. We can't see the whole purpose. I don't think that makes us weak. I think it makes us human. And so what do we do when we find that moment? Look at verse 15 and 16. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus Himself drew near. Now picture this. They're walking and here Jesus just, just slides up. And Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. So you know what Jesus was doing here. He was straight creeping. You know, he was just creeping. He just walked in there. Jesus comes up. Look at, look at verse 17. Hold on to those verses. Look at verse 17. And Jesus, he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with, uh, with each other as you walk? And look at what they did. They're walking and they stood still. What's these next two words? Read it with me. Looking sad. And so they're walking. And what's going on? And maybe you connect with that moment. That you're walking, you're living, and then suddenly it hits you, and you're just, you're just there looking sad because these two guys were completely bro- broken and completely crushed by the events. Everything they believed on was completely gone, and it was, it was just over with. And some of us can identify with this moment. Maybe we act happy on the outside. Maybe we put on a face or put on a mask, say, look, look, this is the way I am. But on the inside, we're just broken and we're hurt and we're lonely and we're tired and we're scared and we're full of doubts and full of fears. Maybe we can, we can get that because sometimes we just feel like we're completely alone. But see, this story, it, it speaks to us. But before we go any further, I don't want us to leave us in this sad part, okay? Understand this truth about Jesus. Jesus is closest to the brokenhearted. Jesus is closest to the brokenhearted. And so in those moments when we find ourselves at the pits, that's who Jesus comes near. Look at it like this. When Jesus resurrected on Sunday, he could have gone anywhere he wanted. He could have appeared, okay, I'm going to go to Rome. I'm going to go to Caesar and say, hey, Caesar, I'm Jesus. You heard of me? Yeah, zap, you're dead, I'm in charge. You know, he could have done that. He was Jesus. He could have gone to Pilate. Pilate, you should have rescued me because now you did. You know what I mean? But he didn't, do, he didn't go to the places of authority. He went to these two guys on a lonely road in the middle of nowhere who were looking sad. And that's where he went, and that's who he went with. He finds two guys with fears. He finds two guys who were hurt, two guys who were full of of doubts. But that's what Jesus does. And church, let me give you a promise. Jesus is not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of your fear. He's not afraid of any of that. That's why he came here. That's why he came. Verse 18, it goes on. It says, Then one of them, named, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor of Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, this is Jesus, What things? You're right? Okay. What things? And he said to them, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. But look at these next four words. But we had hoped. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened, and you had hoped your marriage would go differently. And you had hoped your kids would make different choices. And you had hoped your parents would have stayed together. And you had hoped that they didn't die. And you had hoped that God was going to do this. And you had hoped all of the things that we had hoped that just didn't work out. You see, the story of Cleopas and his buddy, that's the story of us. We find ourselves in the same situation over and over and over. And that's what's so remarkable about, the, remarkable about this and about the Word of God. But 
watch what they do next. These two guys, not knowing about it, they start to preach about Jesus to Jesus, which is, which is funny, verse 22. Moreover, some of our women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. So all these things happened, and they still were, 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 were doubting. And so now, in verse 25, it's Jesus' turn to preach to these guys, and, and I believe to preach to us as well. It says this, And he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. So Jesus comes at them with, O foolish ones. I read this, and you know what I think? Yeah, me too. Me too. Because there's plenty of times that I've been slow of heart to believe. I struggle too at times. And sometimes it's hard, and we deal with that. Verse 26, Jesus goes on, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Yes. 27, And beginning with the Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures all the things concerning him. So they drew near to the village of which they were going. And he acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. Look, you can't go any further is what they're saying. It's dangerous out here. They were well past the point where the, the Romans maintained the roads. So there's, there's, there's thieves, there's robbers, there's wild animals. It's too, you can't go out there at night. Why don't you come and stay with us? But they didn't know who Jesus was, even though he was right there. They didn't recognize him. I had one of these moments once in 1996. I worked for the, this company called Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, the, the Jesus Chicken, right? We get it, okay? I, I worked for Chick-fil-A. And I got sent to Atlanta for three weeks to work during the Olympics in Atlanta. And it was awesome. I got to go to basketball games. And, but the Chick-fil-A I was working at was in the CNN Center right there downtown. And so one of my jobs was to take the trash out, which, of course, it was. But that was fine. It, it was good. But they said, hey, when you go through these halls, sometimes you'll run into some of the dream team because they come through to work out, and, but they don't go out where everyone is. They go through the interior like service halls. And so just as they said that, I have this big cart full of trash, me another guy, turn this corner, and right around another corner comes Shaquille O'Neal, just walking right out. And then right behind Shaquille O'Neal was, was another NBA superstar named Carl Malone. He comes out. And I'm like, whoa, Shaq, Carl. They're like, hey, little fella. I mean, that's literally what Carl... That's what Carl Malone said to me. And I was like, I am little, you know. And so, but they couldn't have been nicer. It, 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 was, it was great. They were friendly. They stayed and talked to us for probably five or ten minutes. Just, hey, where are you guys from? I'll always be huge fans of those guys because of how, how nice they were to us. But there was another guy that was with them. And I'm a, I'm a basketball guy. I, I love sports, but I had no idea who this guy was. It was a guy named Mitch Richmond, who was an NBA all-star. But his basketball cards always said he was 6'6". He ain't 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, he, yeah, he's not quite that tall. But I had no idea who he was until after he left. And, and I remember saying, like, hey, guy, you know, but didn't care who he was, right? But was this big star. These guys kind of had that same moment, except it was with Jesus. Jesus was right there with them, but they weren't able to see him because of, well, I think because of the story, because of what God wanted for that. And so as they didn't understand who he was, and they didn't know what was going on, and they urged him to stay. You know, you've got you to be with us. So this is what happens in verse 30. When Jesus was at the table, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. 
Now, in this culture, this would have been really, really weird because the man of the house was the one who broke the bread and gave it to the guests. But here, this guest came into the house to prove a point and said, let me grab this bread and let me break it and let me give it, give it to you guys. And look at what happens in verse 31 in that moment. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. You see, they saw scars of hundreds, if not thousands of men who had been crucified. And all of those men before were dead. But here Jesus had those scars and yet, yet here he was very much alive in a well. Here, yes, here he was just completely right here in front of them. And what? And so he vanished and he was gone. In verse 32, this is important. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And I believe that in this room there are hearts burning right now. I believe in this room that God is calling somebody to make a decision of some kind to him. Whether it's a decision of saying, look, I've got to stop looking at pornography. A decision I've got to, got to talk to someone that I work with because God has put them on my heart and I've been disobedient even though I need to share the gospel with them, even though they need, need help. And I believe that God is putting that on some of, us, some of us right now and our hearts are burning. We have hearts in this room that are looking for joy and for peace and for comfort. And Jesus has the freedom that we need. So what do we do with this? Well, these two guys, they responded immediately. In verse 33, it says, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of, of the bread. And I believe with our passage today, that we have some application that we can directly put into our lives and some things for us to understand. So I want to give us five quick truths in that. And the first is this. If you are looking for Jesus, he's already looking for you. If you're looking for Jesus, he's already looking for you. People who, are, who you work with, who are looking for comfort and peace and patience and hope, students that you go to school with whose family life is, is struggling and, and they're looking for some sort of stability and some sort of, of love and compassion, Jesus has that answer. I mean, it's Christmas. Yeah, Christmas is full of joy and full of happiness. But you know that, that the Christmas season is the time when, when the most suicides in our country happens because people are sad. You know, just the other day I was driving and, and out of nowhere, I was like, man, I really miss my grandparents. They've been gone for years. I miss going to the, to the farm in Indiana and seeing the smoke, you know, roll out of the, the stove and, and playing Uno with my grandma and giving her a draw for her and she cusses me, you know, I mean, it happened all the time. But, but I miss that. And we all have things that we miss too, don't we? But Jesus being closest to the brokenhearted, if you're looking for Jesus, he's already looking for you and Jesus wants a relationship with you. And maybe there's a point that, that you experienced that once. Maybe when you were a kid, you, you went to VBS or RAs or youth group and you made a decision to follow Jesus, but something just faded over the years. But you're here because you're still searching for that and you, you want to be committed to that and you believe in that and you're searching for that. Or maybe someone brought you today and, and what they have is appealing, their life is appealing to you. And you kind of, okay, I'm interested in that. I, I, I want what that has. Maybe you're just like Cleopas and his buddy and your heart's stirring to make some sort of declaration or some sort of promise or decision to, to follow closer. Or maybe you're like, you know what, I'm just here because I have to be. 
I'm here because my wife made me or my husband made me. I'm here because a friend invited me and, and I'm, I'm not so, so sure about all of this and, and I have doubts and, and fears. And maybe I you even have doubt about the existence of God. I've been there too. I've had that. I'll tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you all this. I'm a preacher's kid, okay? I'm a preacher's kid. All my life. First Sunday I was alive, I was in church and in English, Indiana, I was like, I don't remember it, so I guess it was a good day. I, I don't know. But I was in church, you know, the first Sunday I was alive, literally. And, and, but I tell you what, the people who have hurt me the most have been church people. Anyone not disagreeing with that one? We've been there, right? But as we know that God's perfect, people are still people, so it's okay. We can, we can handle that. But I can remember being 16 years old. Moved from West Tennessee to East Tennessee, from, from two, one culture to a completely different culture, and, and kind of struggling with that, and, and the church situation my dad went to didn't quite work out. And I just remember saying, okay, God, you can't be real in this, a 16-year-old. And so I got in the car, and I just went for a drive, and, and it was so frustrated and so mad, and I was so sad, and I went to this spot that I called my, my special place, okay, because I like to go and just hang out. But also, I'm, I'm a nerd, and I love trains, and so... Is a place where there were trains. I could watch them. Don't judge me. Does anyone like trains in this room? Please, just someone raise your hand. All right, a lot of you. You were all nerds. Thank you. But I went to this spot, and I was sitting there just waiting for, for a train to come. And, but this is where I would go, and I would just have out loud conversations with God. And so I'm sitting there talking. I'm like mad. God, why did you let this happen? God, how do I even know that you're real? And, and just started having all these questions. And, and I really believe uh, the Holy Spirit really grabbed a hold of me, who Scripture des- describes as or what? Our counselor, our guide, our teacher. The Spirit of God spoke to me in that moment and said this, you know, here, here's the deal. The things that I was learning in school at this time, that, that, and then versus creation and versus God, you know, I was like, comparing. Here we have God. And this is so, it's uneducated, I get it, I know, but here we have God, this, this being all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, who knows everything and created everything, just spoke into existence, who had, had always existed, has no beginning and no end, and, and I'm thinking of that, and sometimes that feels unbelievable, right? But when I compared to there was nothing, and nothing suddenly blew up, and over a course of time we have this, God sure was way more believable than that to me. And so God, in his loving compassion and kindness, in that moment as a young teenager who didn't really know much of anything, wrapped me and loved me. And so what I want you to understand, if you have your doubts or your fears, it's okay. Pursue answering those, and you're going to find a deeper relationship with Jesus through your questioning. Pursue getting closer to him through those. Don't be afraid of science because the more we learn about science, the more we're actually learning about God. If you're going to be afraid of something, be afraid of algebra. That makes no sense. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's what we can do with that. All right? now, now, the second thing, the first is if you're looking for Jesus, he's already looking for you. The second is just because you talk about Jesus doesn't mean you recognize him. That's tough. But wasn't that what Cleopas and his buddy were doing? They saw Jesus, and they were talking about him, but they still didn't recognize him. Look, okay, we're in the South. You know, we're in North Carolina. I know a lot of folks have moved in from the North, but if you're in the South, you have had some sort of touch uh, of church. If you grew up in the South, you had some, somebody's grandmama took you to church one day. Okay, if you're in the South. We've all had some sort of, of touch. But it's more than just, just knowing of Jesus. Jesus wants us to know him and for him to know us. 
And so what does that look like? Because he wants us to live by his Spirit and to live through his Spirit. Jesus doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. He wants us to be involved in this. And maybe that's not what it feels like right now. Maybe that's not what it, what it looks like right now. And, and maybe you just want to ask God about life and say, God, is there anything else I can do because I'm really bad at it? You know? And so maybe that's where you find yourself. But understand that Jesus, knowing him, knowing his spirit, will bring peace and comfort. The third idea we're going to talk about is, is this. We always try to go back to what's familiar. When things get hard, when things struggle, when we get stressed, when we get anxious, we always try to go back to what we know, just like Cleopas and his friend. He tried, they tried to just leave and go back to Emmaus to go back to whatever jobs they had or whatever it was. People, we do this too. We go back to our addictions. We go back to our harmful behaviors. We go back to the things that waste our time or hurting other people or allowing ourselves to be hurt by someone who's abusive toward us. We'll always go back to that unless we have a reason not to. And when we choose to follow Jesus and be committed to that, that's our reason not to. The fourth is, is this. Whether you know it or not, Jesus is walking with you even when you don't feel it. I think this is important to know. Because our, our Christianity, what we follow, following Jesus, is not based upon how we feel. Feelings, they factor into it. But it's based on the truth of what God has done for us. If you are a believer and follower of Jesus, God lives inside of you through His Holy Spirit. And so we have Him to walk with us. We have His Word that has been given to us in the form of the Bible that we can read and pursue and know. We also have other Christians and other believers, our church family, to walk with us on our journey of faith as we're, we're, we're seeking Him. Because you're here right now. Jesus is walking with you. And He's using you to walk with others. And the fifth one is that Jesus always enters where he's invited. Cleopas and his brother, what did they say? Come in here, come with us, stay. And what did Jesus do? No, he came in. And so he will do that for us as well. And so the question, the question I want to ask you is this. What do you need today? What is hurting you today? What's giving you excitement and joy today? What do you need to do that Jesus is calling you into? Because I believe that God calls us to way more than to just to come into church on a Sunday morning. Sure, that's great. That's part of it. But what is he calling you to do this week? Who is he calling you to speak to? If you are a believer, who is he calling you to talk to this week who does not know him? Is someone in your English class? Someone in, in, in your job? Someone who lives right down the hall in your own house? Who's he calling you? Uh, to speak truth to. But understand, church, when life gets a little wonky and things don't go how we thought it was going to go, when, when we think it's going to look one way and it turns out to be something different, that does not change anything about Jesus and our Savior. It does not change anything about the truth of God. It just may, may mean that our life looks different and that our life isn't the end game. It's just, it's just the journey. And so what can we do to encourage and to help? And so maybe you're here today and, and you're going through like that, those seasons of doubt. I want to say to you this. It's okay to not be okay. But you don't want to stay there, I promise. And so we're going to have an opportunity of ministry 
We're going to have a time of, of music and singing in just a few minutes. And, and if you have something you want to, to be prayed about, if you're dealing or walking through something, uh, I'll be right down here, and Nate, one of the elders, will be here, and, and, and someone else will probably be here too. Why not? And so we'll be right down there if you want to just, just, just have some prayer and time of ministry. Or maybe you're here and you want to start your, your journey with Jesus. Maybe you're here and say, you know what, I've never accepted him, even though I believe in him, I've never started this. Well, we can do that as well right now too. Don't be afraid of that. Whatever is, is on your heart, respond to what God is doing. Because if your heart is burning inside of you because of the gospel of Jesus, because of his truth, because of his word, don't hide from that. Don't run from that. It's okay. This is your time to just respond to whatever it is that God is doing in you. Pray with me. God, we love you. And we believe you. And we trust you. We know that life can get hard, and you know that life can get hard. Help us to be trusting. Father, I pray if there's someone here whose heart is burning, that they respond to that. I pray if there's someone here who has doubts, that they don't feel like they're worthless, they don't feel like they're, they're, you're mad at them, that they answer, get it answered. For those of us who are here who have questions about you, Father, give them boldness to ask them. Give me boldness to ask them when I have them. God, help us just to pursue you with all we have and to love you with all we have. Father, give us boldness to take your love and your grace and your truth outside of these walls of this room and to take them out into this this world that needs you so bad this week. Lord, for every person in this room who is a believer in you, I pray in this moment you give them one name of someone to pursue this week. And I also pray for boldness to pursue. God, we thank you for all that you are. So Jesus, we pray. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. Cross-Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church. Cross-Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Online at crossculture.church.